0: I'm Ashley Aiken.
1: And I'm Chris Cerna. The wedding industry has unintentionally perpetuated a culture of chasing perfection at the cost of your relationships and mental peace.
0: We know this because we've spent a combined 16 years photographing weddings.
1: Together, we dive into the silent struggles of the modern engaged couple, like you.
0: Our goal is to empower you to pop that perfection bubble,
1: embark on the journey of self-awareness,
0: forge your own wedding planning path, and and ultimately ultimately cultivate cultivate a a healthy and and thriving thriving marriage. marriage. This is very random, but I just got an inquiry in my phone, obviously, on yeah. Instagram from someone that was like, I'm so interested in using your services. And odd, it's weird because like I know who she is, but she doesn't know who I am what? <laughs> aside from being a photographer. Because I used to work at this place called Wholesale Beauty Club. I worked there for like six years. It's a salon. We sold like beauty products and stuff. Yeah. And she worked at another store on another side of town. And so I remember her working there. And also I used, I remember her because I worked for her uncle at a pizza shop, my very first job ever. And it was a total like nightmare of a pizza shop and he was a nightmare of a boss. But anyways, that was my like first response to her. (laughs) No, but Ashley and I did totally bond over pizza because that was Anyways, yeah. It's so freaking random that that just happened. And, you know, we're only taking three more dates left for um, 2022. So we're already booked for her date. But so weird. So weird. Oh yeah.
1: That is weird. It's I funny know. how the universe uh, works.
0: I know. Just talking. It's weird, like, when you have these conversations with people that, like, you kind of know or, like, know yeah. of small city type of situations. And then, you know, there's conversations that you have with people that you do know, like the conversation that I had today with you yeah. and Greta.
1: Today's episode was so freaking fire. We started to talk about it and I was like, dude, let's just hit record because so damn good. Who are we talking to today?
0: So we're talking to Greta, obviously, somebody that I know. And she was a bride of mine actually in July of 2020. And we talk a little bit about that. And the reason that we wanted her in particular is because a, she recently was married. So she has had that bride hat on. Yeah. During the pandemic. But she's also, yeah. Which is a whole set of like mental health things that people have had to juggle with. And like the difficulties of like having to change plans and all the what ifs and everything, but she's also a therapist and like a legit, really freaking good one at that.
1: Like a legit therapist, licensed, yes. educated. Yes. She knows her stuff.
0: Like a, like a pro. the complete pro, opposite
1: pro. of us. <laughs>
0: complete opposite of us.
1: yeah, I mean, and I remember we kind of talked about this in the episode a little bit, but like she was one of the first guests that we wrote down to to like ask to have on. And from the start, like we knew like, man, we really want to have some actual legit people that are in the mental health space that can actually talk about this stuff that have yes. a background and degree and you know they they know what they're doing and know what they're talking about and so it was so cool to actually have her on and man like I don't know about you but I took so many notes during this mm. thing like mm-hmm. typically I'm like writing down notes like uh minute 48 and 10 seconds Ashley coughed and said Wah. You know, like something like that. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, so true. But so true, no, same, I'm like same.
1: writing, you know, things down that she says like uh, communication and she gives a definition for often. that early and often. She talks about short term pain versus long term pain. Boundaries is, it, you know, having a two pronged approach with boundaries and self-care. So just all of these gold nuggets that she's sharing throughout this episode. And um, I saw you taking notes, too.
0: Yeah, I took two I've like literally took the same notes as you, I think. Cause like as you're reading things off, I'm like reading in the same order. I also like wrote down like cushioning hard conversations. Like I wish that we had this uh, this interview early, because then I feel like sometimes when we would get questions, we would have like really solid answers. Solid like answers, cushion yeah. these hard conversations. And oh my gosh. And also like the reason that we were gonna hit record instead of Chris and I will finish an episode and then we'll kind of chit chat. We're like, all right, let's record an interview or record the introduction. He was saying like, I know that we were recording this for other people and for couples. Yeah. But he was like, I feel like I was getting more out of it. Like, like I
1: kind of forgot halfway through the episode who our audience was. Cause I was just like, Oh my God, let me, I have so many questions just about things that she was saying that were sparking thoughts that were very applicable to my life, to our marriage, or to my, you know, marriage with Lara, to our relationship, like all these just like- Which also boom, makes
0: boom, it boom, applicable boom, boom. to everybody, but you're right. Like we weren't talking so much about wedding planning the whole time because we ended up talking about like practical, like life, yeah. life things, relationship things. And there
1: is a theme, like once we do get into the mental health kind of space, the theme of this episode is feeling overwhelmed, right? Like overwhelmed yeah. AF because that is a common emotion, a common space That people who are planning a wedding kind of find themselves in. It's just this like, oh, I'm so overwhelmed with planning and decisions. And my my sister-in-law who just, oh oh my gosh, she's so annoying. And she's just talking and giving all this advice. And so we get into this space of feeling overwhelmed. And that's kind of the umbrella of this episode.
0: It is. And like within that umbrella, we obviously, like Chris mentioned earlier, talk about boundaries and self-care and having in battling all of these what if thoughts that continuously come into your brain during wedding planning especially at the end of wedding planning yeah one of you know i'm a maid of honor coming up in like 19 days <laughs> and,
1: right around the corner
0: yeah right around the corner and i'm telling her I want you to write down every single thought that you're having right now in this like month leading up to the wedding. And I'm telling her that A, because I want to know what people are thinking the month of their wedding for the podcast to help people. But also B, after talking to Greta, I'm also realizing literally right now in real time that me telling her to write these things down actually can be beneficial for her to rationalize with all of these what ifs and the thoughts of like like she texted me the other day and so this is the thought that you may have the day of your wedding or the month before your wedding she's like who should i assign to be the dj the morning of the wedding
2: and uh, i remember thinking
0: i can't believe that's something that you're thinking about but the fact is it is something that she's thinking about yeah. and she's like who should do that and i think it will just happen naturally but for her she's pre-planning it so anyways having all these thoughts is something greta talks about like writing down things you're thinking about and her, her so solution
1: about that. Uh, to it is so good we won't spoil it we'll let you guys get into no. it but man there's just if you want to talk about applicable like this episode is just filled with it and she kind of talks about like that's how her st- like her style or, or maybe we talked about that off air but like her style is she wants to provide actual practical real tips maybe less abstract kind of theory things when it comes to like this, this space in therapy and helping people, but she wants to give really practical tips and really practical advice. And I totally think she hits the nail on the head, you know, in this episode with that.
0: Absolutely. She is she's full of gold nuggets and that's what she calls them in her practice. And she's also, she's a the licensed therapist in Missouri. And if you're in the Kansas city area, she is taking a few more, Clients, so if up. you find yourself in the need of a therapist and you really like her, you feel like you connect with her on this episode, you can totally contact and connect with her. Um, her, she says her website later, but it's the um, StateOfMindKC dot if you want to connect with her. And she's also going to be releasing something really actionable and applicable on her website really soon. So if you go there and sign up for updates, you will get that notified of that. Yeah, and she's amazing. And you're going to want to do that.
1: You'll definitely want to go follow her on Instagram too, because she shares lots and lots of little tips and snippets and little quotes and practical things on there too. So definitely go and do that. Link is in the show notes. Um, man, do you got anything else before they dive into this episode?
0: I don't cause I don't want to spoil anything, Yeah, but it's so good. You guys are going either. to literally walk away feeling like, okay, I can become a better person or I can handle this overwhelm so much better than i could beforehand
1: i totally agree i think people are going to walk away feeling like wow i actually or have both. some tools in my toolbox to be able yeah. to you know tackle these feelings whenever they, yes. they come about
0: we haven't talked about tools and toolbox in a long time and you're right this is a tool for these are lots of tools for the toolbox because yeah, we're, you're about you're to get a whole a like today. if you
1: don't have any tools in your toolbox and it's just a box this thing's about to be full so without further ado uh, yeah. uh dive into Greta's episode enjoy welcome to the show greta we are so excited to have you on today ashley it's good to see you as always we've been talking today even off air we've been talking to greta and catching up and shooting the shit and talking about all sorts of things but but go ahead and uh let's dive in we're so thankful to have you here today greta thanks for your time
2: Thank you for having me on. I know we've scheduled this like, I don't know, six weeks ago, but I've been so excited to finally, finally see you guys and do it.
0: I know it really has been a minute since we initially Mm -hmm. were talking about this, but you just, you came to mind. So literally, okay. The beginning of Chris and I planning this podcast. I remember this. Yeah. Planning (laughs) this podcast was like, when that was probably like last summer, yeah. We're because we're mm.
1: brainstorming, like, hey, who you know, who should we have on who are like good guests? And I, I even yeah. remember us having a conversation like, do you know anyone who's a counselor or a therapist or <laughs> anyone who's like legit in the mental health space? Because we're not pros, like, um, and I initially was so ones.
0: I was like, Greta's one of my favorite people ever. Like, oh. we connected on how mm-hmm. much we dropped the F bomb. And yes, <laughs> and that was thing. like a
2: must-have for my wedding photographer. Is that I could do that? <laughs> oh,
0: it was so good. Literally, like I mm-hmm. feel like we did. Like we, it was like kismet. Like we were connected in so many ways. It was just genuinely so great. So Chris and I thought about you like so long ago, and so it's oh, crazy yeah. that this is coming it like is full circle crazy. and finally happening. Right, right, and it's
2: basically summertime too. So it's it's kind of a nice a nice um, juncture.
0: Yes. And yeah, so totally. you got married, speaking of summertime, you got married last summer during all the drama of the Rona.
2: Oh, man. Uh huh. Uh-huh.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And it, I, actually, on a holiday. Yeah.
2: Yeah. July 4th. I, it was originally May 2nd, you know, as you well know. Yes. And that I remember them, I think it was my venue who first called me on like March 17th. And she was like, the Kansas city order just got put out and I was like, let's hold my second. You never know if it's gonna, um, if they're going to lift it early. And she was like, honey, no, (laughs) like (laughs) it's not going to happen. And so I ended up changing it to July 4th, which I was actually really lucky, I think, because when you look at like the COVID cases, that end of June, it was like on a downhill slope, you know what I mean? And I was like, we're free. We're going to rock and roll. Like, this is going to be great. And I think my wedding was like right before it started to upswing again. And so Mm -hmm. I got really lucky. (laughs) Yeah. Upswing and then upswing and then upswing. So I got really lucky with that piece, even though it was very, very, very stressful
0: yeah well and you think and like also for perspective just for anybody that's listening we're in the midwest like we've got like lots like our world is very different than it is on the coast totally 100 like, percent. we have such a different world but yeah. your wedding like nobody got sick like Mm-mm. everyone was Huge healthy win. which yeah how in like it, it was because you had that like downward slope and then two weeks later mm-hmm. when i had my reception <laughs> Right. I get freaking right. Corona.
2: Me too. That I got so COVID at your reception too.
1: Oh,
2: you did? No, I was kidding. I'm totally <laughs> making <laughs> it did up. You see my oh, face no. just then?
1: <laughs> yeah, your face just like the bottom fell out of it. I remember you like, calling me to tell me and you're like, hey, so how are you doing? Yeah, we... Oh. <laughs> We just we got to, I got to tell you something. I felt so bad for you. Like you had to make a ton of those phone calls.
0: It freaking sucked. Uh, Thankfully, we wore masks at ours. And so everybody yeah. was safe and nobody got all the guests got it besides us. But mm-hmm. it was crazy. But you had this like lucky little snippet. But how was that for you? Like from a mental health perspective, for mm-hmm. you like dealing with all of that? Yeah. How did you do it?
2: Well, I think I think the story kind of starts with the wedding planning itself because, you know, I serve a lot of perfectionistic women and I think it's because I kind of am one, right? And uh, so I have been in 10 weddings. Holy I cow. A love lot of weddings. weddings. It's a lot of weddings. It's a lot of weddings. Um, I don't that regret just any means, of them. Oh well, no, that just
1: means you're like... <laughs> You're such a great friend and an amazing person. Everyone yes. wants you in their wedding. Yes. Their I, wedding party. I, do,
2: I do very much love my friends. And I put a lot into those friendships. Um, but I knew, and I've always loved weddings too. And so I knew from the get-go what I liked and what I didn't like. And I was all about making it not like big and flashy, but like a very personal experience with like a wedding just drenched in personal details. Right. And so I spent like almost 12 months planning this wedding that had all of these details ready to go. And it wasn't, like I said, it wasn't perfectionism to impress people, but it was how I had wanted it. And so when I started getting, well, when I got that phone call in March about the Kansas city stay at home order, I was, I was losing my stuff a little bit because There was a moment where I was like, oh, my gosh, like, I don't even know when I can have the wedding. And like, I want people to hear the music I picked and I want them to see the personal details that we're trying to incorporate. And my my husband was working. He still works there, but he was working at a job where like I can't just talk to him on the phone about it. Right. And so we're kind of like texting a little bit. And I call my my dad and my sister and they're staying at home in southwest Missouri together. And I'm like bawling my eyes out on the phone Mm. and I'm like, I don't know what to do. They say that they have July 4th open. People are going to pick the lake over my wedding and all this stuff. And they were like, you got to do what you got to do. I was like, okay. So I called my venue back and I was like, all right, we'll take July 4th. And then I took about 10 minutes, just like chilling a second. And I was like, oh my gosh. This is happening for a ton of other brides in Kansas city. And I'm now in competition with all of them to like rebook my vendors. Right. And if my vendors can't get rebooked, then i have to find new ones and i was convinced that i had already picked the best of the best vendors <laughs> round one so i was like i'm gonna get my vendors and so <laughs> i so then i just like put my boss pants on and i am boss just pants like, i like that boss pants like i just had to go balls to the wall and so i was calling everybody i text the ashley's I I can't even talk about it a lot because I will probably start crying, but I'm eternally grateful that they were like, we can do your wedding on the fourth and we're gonna forego our vacation plans. And I know you guys didn't say it like that, but I just like knew I was like, oh my God, they're giving up like their holiday for me. And I can't even talk about it a lot or else I'll start (laughs) crying. But, But so towards the end of the day, I had mostly secured my other vendors and my husband got home and I can. Honestly, I know I'm a therapist, but I can get really anxious and fly off the handle sometimes if I'm just like real stressed out. And he came home and he was like, I just want to let you know that I am really proud of how you handled today. And I was like, oh, really, you know, and (laughs) it was one of those things where you didn't know that you were like harnessing strength at the time. But then looking back, you were like, Okay, I, I just did what I had to do. And I got through it. Okay. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah, Yeah, There were tears and like, yeah, there was bawling my eyes out. And yeah, there was a little bit of kind of like guilt because people are dying from this virus and I'm worried about my wedding, but it was just what was in front of me. And I, I just had to get through it with what I could. And I'm very action oriented too. So that, that was kind of helpful to just be able to be like one step forward. Like you just have to keep doing so that you feel like you're moving i mean i'm so freaking impressed
1: like i i can't even imagine taking on the task in a day to rebook contact i mean not just like contacting one dj one you're probably like contacting everyone everyone you know and just Mm -hmm. like i feel like that takes a ton of mental energy to Mm -hmm. do that so yeah I, i would agree it sounds like you're all about action and like getting it done
2: yeah, and it's and it was really interesting to think about, and I know another um, person that I was friends with in college had the same experience. But it's really interesting to think about, like wedding vendors. I probably took like three months to book all of mine yeah. with like interviews and like getting everything squared away, making sure like things would jive, and it literally all gets undone in one afternoon. Gosh, you know, and suddenly oh your God. dates are gone you know your interviews never mattered you're reaching out to people that you deposits up not hiring deposits yeah and at that point too nobody really knew what they were doing with deposits and it's no, like we had it was no
1: idea. really freaking complicated
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah and like, it's like it's, do we give it back do we not do we keep it we don't uh, keep it we don't have but the word
1: pandemic like, such pandemic such in our contract
2: situation yeah because yeah. everybody's in the same boat you know and it's like well, if people are in the same boat, like, should I, should I give their deposits back? And then it's like, "Mm, well then we're even more shit out of luck. (laughs) So like, what do we do with this? I, I can't imagine. I can't imagine. And the whole act of God thing, like, how do you even know if this is an act of God? Right.
1: Yeah. It, it was very, is very luckily I, yeah. Yes. Mm
2: -hmm. (laughs) Agreed. Which I'm sure brought in like a sense of camaraderie too. You know what I mean? I know my venue owner, um, I was telling her about who, like how I had rebooked people and she ended up crying on the phone and just said that she's heard so many stories of people in the wedding industry who were banding together and like doing everything they could for the brides, but also to make it easier on other vendors to like work with and things like that. And like, it kind of gives me chills just to think about it because every, that shows that you, that people are in it for the right reasons. You know what I mean? Yes. People are genuine about it.
0: Yeah, Absolutely.
1: I'm super curious to know you said you incorporated all of these like personal details like Mm -hmm. uh, what what were some of those like what did that look like for you to do that we're all about talking about intention and so that sounds like a very intentional thing that you did.
2: Yeah. Yeah. So, um, a couple of my favorites were, you know, I think this one's a little bit more typical, but like my mom had passed away about two years, two and a half years before my wedding. And so I went through, I keep all my cards that I get from people.
1: Dude, me Um, too.
2: I think it's important. I I have a stack of like
1: 30 cards for my grandma, my nana. Yep. Yes. And I saved them. Yes.
2: Exactly. Keep them forever. I hear people say all the times like, I just throw them away. And I'm like, you never know when you're going to want like a word tattooed on you or yeah. like use for something. Um, so I pulled that card box out and I found like there was a one signature that just said, I love you, you know, from mom. And I got that embroidered on a patch through Etsy. And so oh. I had that put on the inside of my dress. Um, and that was my something blue.
1: I love that.
2: the the pictures are really great of it. I'm not gonna lie. Um, And then my dad actually came up with this detail too. And so um, we were trying to figure out something to do like in remembrance of my mom Mm because we were like besties. Um, And I couldn't figure out something that was like, sorry, my dog's shaking. Um, We couldn't figure out something that was like original and like I didn't want it to be like tacky or like too much, but he had the idea. And so they always like, I think he loved yellow roses and he would always give them to her. And so it was his idea that he would carry a single yellow rose down the aisle. And then we had a table with just um like a skinny vase right next to the altar. And so before he gave me away to Darius, he put the yellow rose in the vase And then came back to me so that it was like symbolic of like her being there type of thing yeah 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 that was so special
1: that's so special
2: it was it was really special and my dad loves the pictures of the rose like he he i was really impressed that he came up with that on his own because i'd never heard of anyone doing anything like that Uh -uh. um so that was really fun another personal detail that i loved was um for our table numbers I was trying to think of something creative you know and so what i did was i like had just some random questions for both me and Darius to answer so like what's your favorite thing to do together and like how'd you know that the other person loved you so i answered them and didn't show him my answers and then he answered them and then gave them to me and then i actually printed the table numbers with just the quotes on them okay so they would say things like favorite thing to do together and my husband said like watch big brother and like do this or that and so there were like very personal details in terms of two like some of them were really funny yeah, and then some of them were like really sentimental and so it just kind of gives the um the guests at the table like it's kind of a conversation piece at the same time but also yeah. practical because it's the table number um and so that was it just probably... like weaved
1: your relationship into the day
0: yeah
2: Mm-hmm. totally Totally. And the playlist, I think too. that's I one of my favorite so parts that about stuff.
0: that. Oh. Okay, yeah. so your playlist <laughs> for your cocktail hour. Yeah. I so took that idea for my cocktail hour. Did you? I loved it that Aww. much that I was like, oh, my gosh, I love that she has all these like acoustic covers. Mm-hmm. So. I ended up oh my doing God. the same. Thing. I love that.
2: No, I, I think music to me really sets a mood and I'm not like a connoisseur or anything, but I've played music for a very long time and I do think I have kind of good taste. And so <laughs> I think it's important to use your personality in every aspect because it's going to make you love your wedding even more. And also that's like the compass, like it, whenever you have doubt, just return to what you like and that's the surefire way that you're not going to regret it. You know what I mean?
0: I love that you said that because I was literally just thinking like, mm-hmm. what did you weaving all of these things through like do for you? And it's like, it gave you that mental piece of knowing like I'm not, I'm never going to regret this because this like it was uh-huh. sentimental. It wasn't just pretty. It wasn't just like a on trend detail. It was like mm-hmm. important to me, Daris. It was all about our relationship.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's like, you, you. it doesn't sound like you did anything with like, oh, I hope these people like it. It's like, no, I like these things. And if they like these things, cool, but I like them and I want to enjoy my day.
2: Yeah, totally. Totally. And I think it's one of those things too, where like when I look back on the day, I realized that out of all the complaints and criticisms criticisms that I got from people, like I didn't think about them anymore after the day because they... You know i had the wedding that i wanted to have and i didn't regret that
0: so just curious what types of complaints and criticisms did you get from people because i yeah. want to know like what do people hear from mm-hmm. people? Like first who, off who the who hell have feels comfortable
1: enough to even like yeah let me give you my complaints about who your day you opinions. know like who, exactly. who are you oh
2: man you guys would be so astonished um, so from day one, I had complaints about the location for sure.
0: What? Oh, cause it was like out, it was like yeah. out of the way kind of. Yep. Yep. Mm. Um, we have family
2: in Southwest Missouri. And so it was one of those things. I'm sorry. My dog keeps coming in. No, he's, he's fine. Struck. I mean, that's, if I need to let him outside, you just, let no, you're out.
1: good. And even if he barks, that's fine. Canon, I have a little corgi and he, he goes nuts sometimes too. It's fine.
2: Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's <laughs> a thing. It's a thing. Um, so I had complaints about the location, the guest list, the bridal party, the dresses, um, rehearsal dinner food, the fact that kids weren't invited. I had complaints on complaints on complaints.
0: Are you serious? Yeah, I did. <laughs> yeah. So you saying that like you easy. can't be the only one who gets complaints no. and criticisms from people? You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm, this is mm-hmm. something people look. <laughs> Chris is like rubbing his. Head. I'm so
1: pissed off. I'm like. Yeah, I just don't even it's what it's, like who why who first off like why do people think that like, <laughs> okay, do you guys watch The Office?
2: I've seen it a few times. It's, it's on my list to the, completely watch. There's an
1: episode. Ashley, I know Ashley you watch it sometimes. There's an episode where I think it's Toby's last day and Toby goes in and they're like doing the exit interview and Holly's there and Michael has like this list of questions out that he's going to mm-hmm. read Um And he doesn't know that Holly, this girl that he kind of has a crush on, is going to be in there. So he writes these like really rude questions and then he tries to reframe them. But one of he's reading them and I just had this thought where he's like, who who do you think you are? But he's like trying to reframe them to Uh. not sound as bad in front of this girl. But those are like the thoughts like, who do you think you are? What gives Mm -hmm. you the right? Like, why do people think that they just get this opinion? on your day and then like you okay you can have your opinion why do you need to vocalize it to the person that just put all of their time and energy in there have your opinion all day long but keep it to yourself and shut up and don't say anything
2: yeah I think it begs the question of like okay so when you make that complaint I really just want to know like what you're getting out of it like I would just love to know what you think is so important that you give you know this opinion and I think I think the day you get engaged just because people talk about it it's already on your mind, like what people are going to think, you know, because people may call you like a bridezilla and like all this stuff. So you're already automatically attuned. The second the engagement ring is on your finger that you're going to have opinions. And so even if someone doesn't come outright and say something, it's so easy for these brides to pick up on the small things that people may say, or like small quips or comments and people who aren't in the position don't even realize that the brides can be highly attuned to that, but it is almost like you can get so easily lasered focused on some of that.
0: It's like, you're picking up on little, like, like you're picking up on microaggressions that like maybe otherwise you wouldn't pick up on or someone else isn't picking up on because you're highly sensitive about the topic. Exactly. And you
2: already don't want to step on toes. You know what I mean?
0: Most Um, women are people pleasers. Exactly,
2: exactly. We're very much conditioned for that. And so, especially if it's like family members and things like that, it just becomes really hard because sometimes you may think, like, okay, well, I do, you know, want this person to have a great time, et cetera, et cetera. So, um, it, it can be a really hard thing to balance when you're getting some of those things. And usually, too, at least in my experience, like, yeah, some of the complaints happened day one, but as wedding planning progressed, the complaints continued. Right. So um, sometimes they can be more upfront. Sometimes they can be more towards the back end, closer to wedding day. But I do think that it's something to look out for as a bride, like starting day one to really focus on what you want that mindset to be.
1: So so let's let's talk about that, because I think today's episode is going to have a pretty big theme of like feeling overwhelmed. So Mm -hmm. when you have family members, you know, people who you love, people, you know, um, that are close to you. When you have Mm -hmm. all of these opinions that are coming in, I would imagine it's very overwhelming. Mm -hmm. How does someone deal with that? Like, what do they do? How do they navigate all of those, these opinions that are coming in at them?
0: Especially Mm -hmm. without just like falling and being like, I feel like it would be so easy to, you know, let's say mom has an opinion and you know how important that relationship is and they Uh want to please mom, but it's opposite of what they might want. Like it would be so easy to just say like, okay, mom doesn't want me to have my wedding here at this place. Like, yeah, mom wants uh it at a
1: church and I don't want to do that. I want to be downtown or something like that. How
0: do, how do they navigate it?
2: Yeah. Um, so kind of one of the first things is I would say, um, covering before anything else, I would say communication is probably going to be key and that is openness early and often right because it's so easy to like avoid 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 like oh I don't want to have that conversation with her etc etc but um I kind of say this with moms who are pregnant and they're having their first baby and they're having a hard time with boundaries I say, you know, while you're pregnant, start implementing those boundaries early and often and communicate those just so people know what to expect when baby comes. The exact same thing is something I would apply to the wedding piece too, is if you know that you want a few things, start those conversations early And I know that a lot of times they can feel really heavy, but I do find that when people approach it in like a more lighthearted way and make it more conversational, as opposed to like, Hey, this is how it's going to be. Or, Hey mom, what do you think? Having it a little bit more lighthearted is going to take some of the pressure off. And then it's also going to make the other person feel like, okay, this isn't like a horrible thing either way that it goes. Right. And so it's like infusing some of those conversations, um, a with a little bit more of a lighter step than I think a lot of people think that they might initially approach it.
0: Yeah, because I think taking a firm step in whatever their decision is, like let's let's do this like church idea, because I feel like Mm -hmm. that's something a lot of people deal with is their parents having an opinion on hey, like we got married at this church. I want you to get married at this church. And maybe you don't want to get married at that church. And so Uh their mind initially goes to, I have to just take a firm stand. And that's scary for them to take that step and say, how do I tell my mom I don't want it? So what would be an example in that scenario of them being able to make it more of a conversation and more lighthearted and less terrifying?
2: Uh Yeah. So I think that there's a lot of pressure when like you sit down with someone and you're like, hey, I'm gonna have this one yeah. conversation with you, yeah. right? And so I'm kind of a fan of cushioning these hard conversations. And so if I were in that position, I would go with like a couple big bullet points of things about the wedding that I would wanna talk about. So like, hey, on the agenda today, we're gonna talk about venue. And I also wanna talk to you about the flowers and I wanna get your opinion on catering, right? So that you yeah. can help that person feel like they're involved help them feel like their opinion is valued and important. And it's not like the venue conversation this whole like church or not would get lost in the sauce, but you'll you'll kind of pad the whole thing with letting that other person know they are valued, but there are some things that you feel really strongly about, right? Because there might be some things too where you're like, you know, I don't really care what flowers I have, Mom? What flowers do you think I should have? You know what I mean. And so there may be parts that you don't care as much about that you want Mom's help with, or your mother-in-law's help with, or whatever. And so whenever you can make them feel important, that can help. Um, that can help see some of their worries, like oh, they don't care about my opinion, or they don't want me involved at all. And so that's probably the probably the first line of action. And that that makes sense too because it would be early on in the wedding process where you can tackle it early and code it with some other things that are, that you would want their opinion on. Wow. Yeah,
1: we talk about this concept of wedding why like often mm-hmm. on mm-hmm. on the podcast, and we, t- and which is essentially like, why are you celebrating your marriage with a wedding celebration? And so, just uh-huh. having this reason behind what you're doing, and, and we preach all day long about like, hey, like, talk about your wedding why, get it out there, let people know. Mm-hmm. And I love that you gave this definition of like for communication early and often, like. It's kind of mm-hmm. like you do it early, do it often. And then, yeah. d- and really what that does is that kind of helps set expectations, I think, because I think a lot of times, and we've talked about this parents, friends, family, they give lots of advice. Um, I think sometimes when they think uh, their children maybe, I'm, I'm thinking specifically of parents, when their okay. children maybe aren't taking steps, they're dragging their feet. They think that like, Mm -hmm. oh, they don't know what they're going to do. So let me give advice or they haven't even, I know they haven't thought about a guest list. So let me give my suggestions on a guest list when it's like, if couples will try to be proactive and beat those conversations, they can set the tone and it can kind of keep you in the driver's seat. And I don't say that like from a controlling manner, as much as Uh it is like a proactive manner for you to get out there and in front of it. Mm hmm. hmm. So, yeah. Go ahead.
2: Well, I think, too, it speaks to like, you know, how in relationships, like sometimes at least and I see a lot of women, so I'm not being sexist. So this is just from experience. But you know how a lot of times women like we kind of expect our husbands um, to know what we think. Right.
0: Yeah. Um,
2: and the same mind reading thing happens with family members. So, yeah, family members feel like you're dragging their feet. You can't expect them to read your mind that, hey, the guest list is actually something we're working on next month. And so even if you don't have a clear-cut opinion or something to report, having letting them know that something's in progress or that you have plans to do it is still a report.
0: Right? I, that's so
1: wow. true. What if like couples – because that can – okay, because Ashley and I, you and I were talking about this, like coming up with almost like this uh, – this post or, or this information where it's like, hey, if you're brand new engaged, like you just got engaged and heard about the podcast, like here's your top five episodes to listen to, listen to the you know episode 22, episode three, episode whatever. Mm-hmm. But it, And then it can be really overwhelming because you're like, okay, I just spent the day listening or the week listening to these episodes and I know all of these things that I have to implement. I can't mm-hmm. implement them all in a week, but if you could go like, all right, so I'm gonna take this month to work on this, this month. And then you go and you tell your parents like, hey, just so you know, here's what we're gonna be working on. Uh, mm-hmm. And not that you like, owe them that, because I could see someone being strong-willed or or kind of that bucks against authority mm-hmm. like me, like I hate authority. <laughs> yeah. It being like, why do I owe them that? Like well, mm-hmm. what do I, mm-hmm. they I don't owe them anything. Like I don't have to give them a response, I'm gonna just do what I'm gonna do. But mm-hmm. if you can like think about it from the perspective of let me be proactive, I know that this is Mm going to help my relationships in the long run. It's going to help my mental health in the long run. I think Mm -hmm. that could be a healthier way to look at that. But I've never thought of that. That's amazing advice.
2: And I think the long run, I think the long run thing is super important because, and I, as you can imagine, I probably, I use this concept all the time in the therapy room, but let's say that you, you don't want to have the conversation because you do feel like I shouldn't have to like give a report to my parents, or I, I'm going to do this on my own or whatever. Um, if you think about the short-term pain versus the long-term gain, right. The short-term pain of having that quick conversation that you feel like hurts your pride a little bit, but also I'm like in parentheses, like, okay, who cares? Like for what, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah Because yeah. that long-term gain is going to be so much worth it in the long run right for that little conversation to happen like yeah your ego might hurt or yeah you might feel like you gave into authority but at the same time you're not doing it for shits and giggles like you're going to get something out of that out of the long run and that's what i have people think about a lot is that's a huge mindset shift yeah it's huge it's huge and you'll notice too when we do things that are impulsive we do it for a short short-term gain but if it's destructive it brings us long-term pain
1: that's so true
0: this right? reminds so me of you your seventy-five hard them. thing, Chris. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Short yeah. term, like in the short term, your impulse to eat what you like that cupcake, but the uh-huh. you're in the for the long term, not that short mm-hmm. term. This is going to be pleasurable right now, but mm-hmm. later you're going to be like you're going to be hurting because you. you know. Yeah,
1: um, the mm-hmm. the the phrase that came to mind was like ROI, like your return on investment. Like, yes. it's going to cost you mm-hmm. maybe. A a hit to your ego, a hit Mm -hmm. to your, you know, pride or or whatever. Your freedom maybe of not feeling like an adult. I don't know. It's going to cost you something, but it will pay out like a ton. And just weddings are, man, I just feel like it's, they're full of opportunity. They're full of opportunity for like growth and for families to be brought closer together or the opposite, right? Like mm-hmm, families mm-hmm. to grow apart and, and grudges to be had and, you know, all of that kind of stuff. Like what comes to mind sometimes is, um Ashley, I don't know if you, I, I would imagine you deal with this sometimes when parents are separated and you have dad who has you know, girlfriend, they've been dating for 10 years and not married, something like that. And it comes time for family photos, right? Um, Sometimes like I will coach my couples ahead of time during when we're planning timeline and and get family family dynamics and then just remind them like, Hey, like if they're having a hard time coming up with the decision, do we have her in the photo? It's like, they're married, but they're not married. It's like, Hey, listen, like this photo will only take 20 seconds and I promise you it's going to do more good to do it than to not do it. And uh-huh. it's one, that's an example of like something that it might cost you something. I don't know what that is, but there's going to be way more positives that come from it than the negatives yeah. of not doing it.
0: Uh-huh. Yeah. We've had, we recently, like, I feel like I experience this a lot, actually, when people have like jaded relationships with one of their parents and uh-huh. they're like, I don't want to take a picture with that parent. And I'm like, hey, first of all, my mind goes to like a morbid place. It's like you need to take a picture with this parent because you don't like, yes, you might be mad today. Yes, you might have been mad for the last 10 years, but like you don't know how you don't want to regret anything. Let's do it. But also Mm -hmm. from the other side of things, like maybe you are really mad at them because of the way that they've been for the last like 20 years of your life. But regardless, like you that'll cause you so much less stress the day of to just like do it and Uh make that person happy Mm -hmm. oh that was such a good point chris okay so i have anyways i
1: I have a follow-up question to that initial one about like you were Uh like all right so i think your initial advice was if you have family members and friends who are sharing their opinions communicate early and often early and
0: often Uh so Uh
1: follow-up question to that what happens if the bombarding doesn't stop and it gets more aggressive like how Uh What steps does should someone take to mm-hmm. handle that feeling of overwhelmness? That's like now transitioned from like mental to like bodily. Like they can mm-hmm. feel it in their body and it's building up. What yeah. what do they do?
2: So I would say here we've got like a two pronged approach. Um, it's kind of like I'm trying to think of a good analogy for this. So let's say you have a cold. And you're trying to get better, so you're taking medicine, but also you keep going outside in the snow in shorts and flip-flops, right?
1: Bad idea.
2: (laughs) Bad idea. The person or the people who are (laughs) criticizing or complaining a lot are like the winter cold, right? And it's going to be very hard for you to take care of yourself when you Mm. consistently have still these communications Mm. coming in. So, the reason that I say this is like a two pronged approach is number one, you've got to start thinking about some hard and fast boundaries, but then also taking care of yourself in the meantime. Right. Yeah. And I just had this conversation I'm like with somebody. All this up. This is good. so good. good, this good, is so good. Reported, I, I right?
1: literally have a column on my notebook that I'm writing. down You're just dropping nuggets. Like, oh, good. it's so good. This is Chick fil A. Like, so many nuggets.
2: Yeah. Oh my gosh. That's so funny. Yeah. And that's so funny that you say nuggets because I call them gold nuggets in my practice. And so you are like spot on. You yeah. We're like, on
1: brand for you.
0: <laughs> Very <laughs> you on brand. Right? <laughs> um, okay. Anyways, anyways, two
2: pronged so- approach two-pronged approach do the boundaries because we don't want to keep going outside and getting super cold and our feet wet Mm -hmm. um and then the self-care and so for boundaries i do often say like you can take a tiered approach to this you don't have to cut somebody off completely and just be like you know what you've been causing me all this stress and i'm done talking about the wedding you can have more of like a phased approach and You can express your feelings and you can assert what you want. And if they don't respect that boundary, then you get a little bit more hard and fast with it. And so you can maybe say something like, you know, I asked you to lay off of the guest list, right? And if you continue to give me opinions about the guest list, then this will happen. Then I won't feel comfortable telling you other details about the wedding. Or then I am not going to. Yeah, because. That's that's one thing that you'll notice that you think about, but rarely do we actually tell that person, like, "Hey, this makes me think that I can't talk to you further," right? right. And that's where the communication comes in. Is if you also tell them that, they may kind of shrivel up and be like, "Oh, well, I don't th- want that to happen,"
0: yeah. you know? Or and or so I these realize boundaries- the impact that this is making.
2: Yeah, totally. Yeah, because. That is a good point is that some people may not even recognize how they're coming off or how right. it actually is stressful for you and things like that. Um, so I do think that boundaries can be a tiered approach where try to implement one and if they don't respect it, it doesn't mean that you did a bad job. It's just that they're it's not clicking with them. or It means that they're, sometimes- they're not
1: respecting that boundary.
2: Exactly. Exactly. And sometimes people may disrespect it intentionally and sometimes they may disrespect it unintentionally, but at the end of the day, that doesn't matter. You still, still have to implement the boundary.
1: Wow. That's huge. Like mm-hmm. don't get caught up in the sauce of intention. Like, Oh, did they do that on purpose? Did they not? like, right. it doesn't matter. The boundary has been crossed. Like mm-hmm, you need to, mm-hmm. you need to have a conversation. I think this is like, my mind is going to the, to the person who's like, oh my God, I can't do that. I can't have that conversation. It's just, it's Uh too much. Like the amount of like growth that you can achieve as a person by like, you know what? I'm just gonna lean into this and I'm gonna do it and it's gonna be an opportunity for growth and Uh I could potentially, you know, but I I could hear people like quivering on the inside. Like I can just see that like, oh, I could never do that. I could never, it'd be one thing to state a boundary to mark a boundary mm-hmm. it's a whole nother thing to uphold that boundary enforce yeah. and then set a new boundary mm-hmm. um but mm-hmm. it's so important it's so important
2: it's so important it's so important and i think too when you think about the imba- the boundary like oh my gosh i could never do that you'll notice that usually the person's worried about the outcome Right. There's so many times when I'm talking to a client and I'm like, okay, well, let's talk about this communication with this person. And they'll be like, I can't do that. I know she's just going to say X, Y, Z. Well, we're focusing way too much on the outcome there that you may or may not know.
0: It might not even happen. Yeah. Right. So
2: when you focus on the actual boundary itself, as opposed to whatever the outcome could be, it's less overwhelming for you. And I do feel like it's more of a confidence booster because you realize that you don't have to worry about the outcome.
0: It doesn't right? matter you what they say. You worry about
2: the expression.
0: Yeah. That reminds me of like the thing, I hear a lot of people say it, cause I'm a, I'm a worrier. Yeah. And my mom will say like, Ashley stop worrying because it might mm-hmm. not happen. And then you're making yourself worry about it twice. Like with yep. dealing with, are people gonna get sick at my wedding? Like that was mm-hmm. something that I used to have to worry about. And they're like, stop thinking about it because you worrying about it now, if it happens, you have to worry about it later or it's never going to happen and you shouldn't have worried about it at all.
2: Yeah, totally. Totally.
1: Ashley, that gets into along the lines of like, you're talking about like worrying about, you know, what if people get COVID at your wedding? Can we talk about what ifs, like these thoughts of people having these what ifs when it comes to wedding planning? And I know we're in a, we're in a different place right now with the pandemic uh, maybe not as uh, if we're, if there's 10 stages, maybe we're not in stage eight of like levels uh-huh. of this is overflowing and we need to all stay home and never leave our house. Like we're in a different phase right. than we were last year, yeah. but there's still, even if there's not remove pandemic from wedding planning, like wedding planning already was full of so many what ifs. Oh my what would your advice yes. be to like a couple who is just, constantly thinking about the what ifs like oh my god what if it rains what if our photographer gets sick and they can't make it or what if no one has fun or what if i don't fit into my dress like just all of these thoughts that are in their brain like how do people deal with that
2: yeah um so we know that so when we talk about thought patterns i kind of frame them in terms of like negative thought patterns or patterns and the what ifs would be the catastrophizing right? I also kind of consider my catastrophizers as like not only the what-ifers, but the scenario builders, right? We could this have a hundred scenarios that go in all different directions. Yep. So part of my practice too is I like to apply very like nitty-gritty fixes to these and they are very, very like metacognition, like thinking about thinking and like down to the wire. But when you have your what ifs number one i always like to have people write them down because i need you to see on paper how many what ifs you're actually thinking about right
0: oh crap yeah like a lot probably a
2: lot a lot and i and i see this in the therapy room too when we write our thoughts down you kind of see the irrationality like jump off the page at you which is a good thing like i want you to look at that and be like okay this is a little wild. I've got to trim the fat here. Right. Yeah. I'm being a little
0: ridiculous.
2: Yeah. And it's one of those things too, where you might notice that some of your what ifs are really like super out there and you realize that they're probably not going to happen. And you're kind of like, all right, I want to deal with the ones that I'm actually worried about. Right. So it can also kind of help you divvy up which ones are worth my time and energy and then which ones aren't. Um, so a couple things that I like to do with my what ifers, I do love probability. I love that you call them what if Or yeah, you used yeah. the phrase <laughs>
1: catastrophizers earlier. And I love that yep. too. Yeah.
2: Yeah. We, we all do something. You know what I mean? And so yeah, yeah, I've yeah. got filterers. I've got mind readers. I've got shutters. I've got them all. Um, oh my goodness.
1: Can you write a book? Can you write a book? Uh, listen, so that like.
2: Listen. <laughs> I, wanna, <laughs> I want
1: all of this knowledge.
2: Yeah. That, well, come into the therapy room with me. We'll. You can sign a consent. It'll be great. I would yes. love to.
1: I would love Same, that.
2: honestly. <laughs> Both of you. Um, okay, so what ifers? So what ifers? I do love probability versus possibility. Um, with probability versus possibility, I usually have people think about: Is this possible? Okay, something may be possible. So, like, what if it rains on my wedding day? Right.
0: That's what I was going to. Yes, up, yeah. it's
2: possible right? And we know that it's possible. The reason that I like to have people um, recognize that it's possible is it at least validates your worry, right? right? It validates like, okay, this could happen and I'm not crazy for thinking about this. Right. But when we look at probability, that's when you actually decide, okay, is it probable enough that it would rain that I need to make some type of plan for it? Do I need to mentally prepare for this? Rain is very unpredictable too,
0: Right. Right. Because you can't control it.
2: You can't control it. So when we look at the probability and the possibility of something, one thing that I also add in then, okay, well, if this is probable, then why don't we go ahead and create some type of action plan for this? Right. And so that gives you the opportunity to exert the control that you do have. And you go through then the next two months before the wedding of knowing like, okay, so I know it's possible that it rains. It's either probable or it's not, but I'm going to exert control and take action in case that it does. Where
1: you can. Okay,
0: I love this. Mm-hmm. I just this. I mean, we're we just finished May weddings, and May is like, yeah. oh my God. awful when it comes to the weather, right? Mm-hmm. Like so bad. Pro- coming, somebody who was going to have an initial May wedding. Yeah. Like May <laughs> is awful in at least in the midwest especially oh my gosh kansas city by the way i don't know if you've ever realized this anytime that we see rain coming and i'm like oh we have rain in the forecast we always okay not always miss it we miss it a lot but kansas city literally never ever misses that band of storm it hits Uh it every single time like we're at the tail so we get it It misses us a lot It never misses kansas city Uh, no sometimes it's (laughs) rain
2: sometimes it's snow sometimes there's naders up north and then down south it's just it's so unpredictable and Uh, that's why crazy yeah and uh, i do think that's what makes the probability versus possibility hard with weather but kind of a good hard because you recognize like okay this thing has some level of probability And I mean, I would say like really drill down the probability, like check the farmer's almanac, you know what I mean? Just so that you feel like you know what you're looking into, but then that gives you the option to go ahead and make that early plan so that you're not spending those months being like, oh my God, I'm just hoping to God it doesn't rain. So where you can say like, you know, if it does rain, here's the plan. And I feel confident in that because I had control over it.
0: Yes, because I do I like recently have had a couple that like, I got a text and it was Uh like, my day is going to be ruined if it rains. Mm -hmm. And this is like a week out. And I'm like, okay, first of all, let's not think about it as ruined because Uh you're A, not getting married because the weather is going to be nice. Like that's not the reason you're getting married. Uh And B, thinking about like, even just had they had a plan because it's almost like people who are getting married in these like weather months need to just come up with a weather plan because then that can give them that peace of mind and their heart. Mm -hmm. And I also like like to operate on, and I don't know if this is a good thing, but I like to operate on like the path of I'm going to plan for the worst because Mm -hmm. I'm just going to plan to have a rainy day wedding. That way my hopes are not on perfect weather. My expectations. Yeah. My Mm -hmm. expectation is it's probably going to rain. I'm getting married in May. If it doesn't, great, but let's plan for a rainy day wedding. You know what I mean? Uh-huh.
2: Yeah, yeah. And I think too, at the end of the day, all of your bases are covered. So even that day, you have nothing to worry about, which that's the ultimate goal, Yeah. right? Yeah, Is yeah, that totally. you're not like worried about things fixated. and you're not tracking people down. Yeah, it's not supposed to be that way anyway.
1: So, my wife is bipolar and mm-hmm. um she's we've been working she she sees her therapist every Monday and mm-hmm. um they recently got into a space to where I don't know she wouldn't care with me sharing this. But yeah. they recently got to a space to where they started to like we sat down and her therapist wanted us to like basically do like this recount of past episodes that she's had and like do a deep dive and try to think about triggers and, and things like this. And it was amazing. Like when we laid everything out, we were able to see like some themes, like some running themes. And one of those was like catastrophizing. Um, Mm -hmm. But really, and then we like boiled it down even deeper. It's like a lack of control. And we were able to almost see that all of these instances were a lack of control. If it's allowed to spiral and it will lead to a manic episode that then requires X, Y, Z and you know, this form of treatment, but like lack of control, I think is so huge. I just recently had a bride who, um, we showed up to the wedding day and you can just tell that like, she was not okay. And we uh-huh. were about to do the first look and we just were like, Hey, like, let's talk, let's have a conversation. And so she was just like, I'm just so frustrated. Uh, like i want to be in control and i can't today and it's Mm. like she was having a really hard time like Mm. come like it's one thing i think to try to be proactive before the wedding but like come wedding day when there is a lack of control what are some quick steps like what are some things that people can do to get their mind like get their head in the game and to like correct some thought patterns that they're having
2: yeah so i think one of the issue of like not having control, especially for brides who um, feel like they know what they're doing or are perfectionistic, or you know, and, and she anxiety. used the phrase
1: perfectionist. Like I'm a perfectionist. Like that's, yep. and I feel like that's kind of a a trait that goes along with like wanting to be mm-hmm. in control. So maybe yeah, if you yeah. use. The phrase, I'm a perfectionist, listen up, because this is yeah. going to be really apl- applicable.
2: Exactly, exactly. And you're not going to find perfectionist in the DSM, but it's such a huge sub, um, like a subset of anxiety. And so I'm, I, I'm glad that people are using it and hearing it a little bit more because it's more relatable, right? Yeah. Um, so the idea when you're out of control, you're worried that things are going to go wrong because they're not in your control right? Yes. And that's why the what ifs are always negative. Like, what if this happens? What if that happens? What if this goes to crap? Oh my um, God,
0: True. They are all always negative. Mm-hmm.
2: they're all negative. So what? the one thing that you don't pay attention to is what if it doesn't rain? What if it's actually sunny with a high of 75? Right. That's
0: actually another what if.
2: Exactly. Exactly. And so one thing that i do with people is i'm like okay so here are all your negative what ifs and all of these are like really crappy outcomes we have to come up with these alternative outcomes like what are the other ways that this could go down and it can be kind of a lengthy exercise because sometimes there are a lot of other ways that it can go down but you start to notice that at least that becomes a little bit more um not so much realistic but it seems like it's more likely to happen because now you're thinking about it Yeah, like, if you were to think about Mm -hmm.
1: the positives, you're not going to think of, like, the best case scenario that's the most unlikely to happen. You're going to think of, like, it's almost like your brain goes, shoots more realistic, more like, okay, well, this, which is more probable, like, Mm -hmm. this is the more likely outcome. They're not going to think, like, well, maybe it's going to be, like, 60 with, like, this outrageous, Mm -hmm. you know, Hawaiian weather that we don't have here. Like it would be like best case scenario for their part of the country.
0: What Mm -hmm. if it's sunny? What if it's, or like if it's having a conversation with somebody, it's like, well, what if I have that conversation with my mom and she gets really mad at me and like makes me Mm -hmm. feel like, you know, takes that jab. Well, what if she doesn't? And what if this actually makes our relationship grow? And Mm -hmm. what if then I do get my freedom back and she feels valued? Like those Mm -hmm. are other what ifs that go along with the same scenario
2: yeah and you'll notice too like not any of those what ifs that you just said none of them are out of the realm of possibility like those are totally like common and normal reactions that's like level-headed
1: thinking almost whereas the others are not Mm level-headed they're like kind of spiraling downward Mm
2: -hmm. yeah it's very easy to build the scenarios too because you can say like what if it rains on my wedding day Well, that just created a million other scenarios for you to think about, okay, well, what if it does happen on my wedding day? Right. Right. And so to think about alternative outcomes and actually writing those down, because if we write things down, it sinks into our subconscious and we identify with it a little bit more. So when you think about those alternative outcomes that are more positive or even just neutral, right? Like what if that doesn't happen? Right. The -hmm. more you think about those, the more likely you're going to feel like, they could happen.
0: I think it's called the
2: availability heuristic in brain psychology, but I can't remember the exact name, but so don't quote (laughs) me on that. But it's like, it's a thing. I promise you.
0: Well, you were talking earlier too, about like, just like how important it is to write the things down. Like, even if, Mm -hmm. you know, I just think a lot of people don't pull out a notebook and write like list making, like how important list making is, because it takes Mm -hmm. it out all the things that you're trying to retain in your mind puts Mm -hmm. them down on paper your mind no longer is attempting to retain it so so it seems more important than i think i've realized as well like Mm -hmm. just to write down your thoughts
2: yep Mm -hmm. in
0: general you also uh, earlier i'm going to circle back you Mm -hmm. had we were talking about like this two-pronged approach with boundaries Mm -hmm. and self-care yeah
1: why are we the same person ashley i was literally wanting to circle back to this (laughs)
0: Well, I'm like the self-care thing, I think is something I really need help with. So we Uh talked about boundaries and how we can have this tiered approach to boundaries and you can like go lightly in the boundary. And then if it's not um, respected, obviously Uh go a little like harsher and put your foot down a little bit more. What about the self-care aspect of this? Mm-hmm.
2: So self-care to me is like such an interesting concept lately because I mean, I'd say probably for the past five years, it's gained a lot of traction. It's kind of like a mainstream buzzword. Yeah. And we cool. know at this point, yeah, like, pe- like people are using it all the time, which I think can be good as long as we know what all self-care can encompass. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, And so I think we all know at this point, just because people talk about it a lot, that it's not always just like bubble baths and face masks and like chocolate cake, right? Do I think that some of those could be self-care? Yeah, totally, right? Because they have relaxing elements and they have comforting elements and things like that. But self-care can be conversations like boundaries, but self-care can also be you taking time off work. Self care can be you sitting down and doing this like what if thought pattern work, and you pull out a notebook and you do the exercise.
0: Oh my gosh!
2: So it's almost Self- like there's
1: this tie to like not just uh, doing nothing, but doing something. Because I think a lot of t- you, a lot of times people go, "I'm going to do nothing," but really, yep. you can care for yourself by bettering yourself
0: mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. or doing yeah, the it- hard challenge of establishing a boundary because that doesn't exactly. seem like self-care because it's scary I'm mm-hmm. like that's actually stressing me out to do that but it's the uh-huh. long term it's going to make you feel better You're ca- and afterwards that like weight is lifted off because you just uh-huh. had that quote-unquote con- I always call it confrontation And I I had a business coach, and she's like, Ashley, you've got to stop referring to this as confrontation and start referring to it as communication because literally you're just communicating. It's not a confrontation. It's communication. Assertiveness is not a confrontation.
2: That's so funny you mentioned that because I had that exact same conversation with a client a couple weeks ago.
0: Yeah. It it is. So I think that's a belief that a lot of people have. And I know now we're like circling back to a different conversation, but a, a belief a lot of women especially have... Sorry, Chris, I know you're not a woman here and I (laughs) but we all believe like if we disagree or have to like bring something up, we're being confrontational and we're not supposed to be confrontational because that's aggressive or whatever. And so I tried and always said and have had this belief about myself that I avoid confrontation and I tend to Uh be more passive. And yeah. Chris, as a nine, I'm sure you can agree with that. With I'm a weird, <laughs> I'm a
1: weird breed though. I'm nine eight. Like I. Yeah,
0: that's true. Wow. That's true.
1: I'm a weird one. Yeah, yeah. I don't, I don't mind
0: avoiding it. the confrontation, but it's not. It's you know what though. Okay,
1: actually, I will. I will go through and do the conversation, the confrontation because it is more uncomfortable for me to not have the conversation. <laughs> and live in a state of what ifs. So I will do it out of necessity because I feel it's worth enduring the current level of unpleasantness of having this because I know it's gonna be better afterwards. As opposed to like, and probably a nine one or something like that might think Mm -hmm. like, it's more comfortable to not have the conversation. So my thinking is just- That's me. It's just a little flipped.
2: Yeah, and I think too, the fact that you notice like, hey, I'm gonna be sitting with this discomfort if I don't have this conversation, the act of you having the conversation then would be considered self-care, right? Because you're aware of what you need or what would be helpful for you. And then you act whatever that would, it would need you. Then you act upon that so that you make it easier for yourself. And so that you can also like replenish like those mental resources.
1: I love this, like different view on self-care. I've never thought of, I've never thought of it this way. You're right. Like I do think bubble baths, hammock time, book reading, Mm. like just Mm -hmm. these, uh, these like serotonin releasing, not uh, not serotonin, but maybe, I don't know.
2: Yeah, serotonin. Like serotonin this, just dopamine. relax.
1: It, it's just yeah. all about the feel good, like kind of thing. Yeah. A that's massage. That's where my mind goes. Yeah, a massage, whereas opposed to like, right. I'm going to go do some self-care. I'm going to go have coffee with this person that's pissing me off. and <laughs> Right. <laughs> and, and like engage yeah. in a conversation.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think when you start to broaden what self-care looks like for you, you start to have like a lot more opportunities, but also then it becomes more tailored to what you need. Right. And so it's not just like, Oh, I'm going to go sit in the hammock for an hour. Um, You know, I, I know a lot of people are like, I really need to set aside time to read and reading is something that's interesting because some people might look at that like me, like, I, am not super focused sometimes when I just like want to sit down and read a book, but some people reading for them is not something they often have time to get to. And it's something they genuinely enjoy. And so it's really important for them to have that time to do something like reading. So self-care will look different for a lot of different people. Um, But I think the introspection and opening your mind to all of your options is really important.
0: Yeah. This reminds me of like, so my husband, he is a Uh doer. And I am like a doer in like fun. Like he's very, he's good at play. I need to learn how to play for sure. I'm not (laughs) a good player, but I, he's always like, come on, like get, stop working. Like I need, come do something. Like you've got to get away. Like you need to do it for Mm -hmm. yourself. But I tell him, I'm like, no, it's going to stress me out more Mm -hmm. to walk away from this than to just get it done. But, I don't know. So I guess that's my own issue, but to some degree I think he's right. But then to some degree, I think I'm right. Like, mm-hmm. yes, I need to walk away, but it also is going to stress me out if I walk away and don't fit. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't, I,
2: totally. I, okay. Yeah. And I think too, that kind of goes with like the conversation of like, like rest can be productive. I know that a lot of therapists these days are like rest doesn't have to be productive. But when I think about rest, just as it would be the same as like play or work, if it, is actually like rejuvenating you, then to me, that's productive, right? Like you're restoring something that's been neglected. So if you're working and you know like, okay, I could go play, but also I'd like to finish this thing. If it's gonna make you feel better and rejuvenate and kind of nourish the um, feeling like you've got work at an even keel, then to me, that's that's productive. Not that you're knocking things off a to-do list, but your um, future self is gonna thank you for something like that right
1: so recently i bought a uh ashley's husband has gotten me into Mm -hmm. disc golf and so (laughs) we've been going and playing a lot of disc golf we just went last night but i bought a basket and so i have one here at my house now and so i've been i was telling ashley earlier like i've been super proud of myself i've been really able to sit and make myself work for long periods of time editing like typically Mm -hmm. i'll do like 30 minutes i'm like i just start wandering like i we took this test. It was called the Kairos, cog. what was it? The Kairos Cognition? Kairos test, Cognition, like it. yeah. Yeah, that, and that was super, super uh, revealing of like how I operate. I think there was uh-huh. one of the things that was about moving and how I need to move to process. Like my brain, like uh-huh. I have to be doing something. Well, now recently, I think a big part of why I've been able to edit so long, Ashley, is because I'll edit for an hour and then I'll go toss discs for 10 minutes and I'll take that break and I'll get away and then I'll come back and I'll be more productive than if I would have tried to push through those 10 minutes and work. And it's almost like it just gives me like a, this boost to keep going. So that's an instance where like rest play, taking time away is productive because for me, but I think this all go Mm -hmm. like goes back to like, you have to know you. And I think so many people don't know them. Like Mm -hmm. how do people know them and get to know what
2: they need? Right. Um, So when you mentioned how like your wife and her therapist sat down and kind of did a timeline and then looked for patterns, that's exactly what if someone came to me and was like, I don't even know what self-care would be helpful for me. Well, then we're sitting down a timeline and I'm probably going to look at, in terms of especially their adult life like major things that have happened like what helped in those instances last week when you had a crappy day what helped in those instances and then we kind of look for um different themes or patterns of what makes them feel better because if it is something like gaining control or getting back into a routine notice it has nothing to do with bubble baths and face masks yeah but actually pinning down like, okay, well it's routine. So me getting into that is going to be more helpful. Or I noticed it was just having face-to-face time with my friends, with someone who's not my family, not my husband, right? So just even not having the kids. that introspection. Yeah. yeah, not the kids, huge, huge. And I think the introspection is the catalyst to knowing what works for you in self-care is really
0: finding some of those patterns.
1: So I'm hearing that, uh, Ashley, go ahead. You look like you were gonna say something.
0: No, I just I went wow wow as I wrote down pattern recognition to Mm. find self care. So like literally have two pages of notes right now. I do. That's like more for myself. I don't do anything with these besides like look at them myself. Right.
1: Let's let's make this a little applicable to brides and to people yeah. who are planning. So like mm-hmm. maybe if you're you're hearing this and you've been overwhelmed and maybe you're struggling with a lack of control or the what ifs or these conversations that you have to have you know with family like we're talking about this two-pronged approach and maybe you know you know how to set up boundaries but you're a little lost like for self-care. This is something that Lara really struggles with or mm-hmm. struggled with was like how cuz I always have hundred hobbies like I have a hundred hobbies and a hundred different ways to self-care like I, I just know how to do that and yeah. so that was a that was actually a point of conflict for us because she's like well you have all these things and and I'm like okay well let's like you do whatever you want to do like what do you want to do but she didn't know like she mm-hmm. it's and she wanted to so I'm thinking now like man we need to sit down and like walk through this exercise of like of looking back. I love that you're talking about a timeline and what are instances when you look back major events? Cause that's what we did. We looked at the major events that happened and how did she relax? Or then it was like, how did she handle them? What's the root of it? This, it would just be, how do they relax? So how would a bride do this? Like with just planning Yeah. with like, if there's so, like, how would they identify when they need to take a break and then how to even realize that they are in need of self-care and then figuring out what self care looks like for them.
2: Yeah, I think so. If we're talking about patterns, I do think that it's really good to look at triggers. Um, And so if there's a certain person who's a trigger, then you go into a week or a conversation knowing that there's the potential for you to feel overwhelmed there. Right. Um, So definitely looking for the triggers is going to help you be more preemptive about what stress that that could possibly bring.
1: And can you define a trigger really quickly for maybe someone Mm -hmm. who doesn't people who don't know what that is?
2: Yeah. So a trigger is the way I put it, like a person, place, or thing. Sometimes it can even be a thought that comes up that will end up being um, an initiator or catalyst for anxiety, um, negativity, low depressive thoughts, overwhelm. So it really is what brings on a lot of those uncomfortable feelings.
1: So it's like the start. It like Mm -hmm. starts these whatever negative emotion or thought you might be feeling. It's very interesting that you say person because a lot of times I don't think people realize like, oh, wow, every time I get around this person, this happens or I feel this mm-hmm. way or I start to think these things. How yeah. does one like what do you do? OK, so you've identified a trigger. Let's say it's mm-hmm. um, we'll do we'll do two. We'll do a person and let's say it's like uh, your best friend who got married and now like you realize, wow, like she's basically planning her second wedding through my wedding because she's oh, just giving all uh-huh. the advice. How does someone go about dealing with a trigger who is a person? Is it boundaries?
2: Uh I would say it's a couple of things. Number one, internally, I would want you to prepare yourself a little for that and get acquainted with the trigger. Kind of recognize like, okay, you know, I know this person triggers me in this way. Think a little bit about why they maybe do that. Think about like, you know, if it's the best friend, like I understand that she's really excited for me and I know that there's a potential for her to continue to give me unsolicited advice. I know where it's coming from and I know it's probably from a good place, but I just don't need it, right? So mentally, I would want somebody to prepare for a trigger like that. In terms of actually like action-oriented behaviors, Mm -hmm. I would say it's something like boundaries. And I do often say that boundaries can either be spoken or unspoken you don't always have to have a big huge conversation about boundaries you know what i mean you can try implementing them without saying them because sometimes they do work right if you create a little bit of distance or let's say um let's say you're going wedding dress shopping and somebody has been like oh i really want to go with you you don't necessarily have to have this big, long drawn out conversation of I've decided to do this, I really want you to be part of my day, but I don't want you to come to the wedding dress shopping. You can either say something really like off the cuff and make it lighthearted. You could say nothing and kind of spin it as a surprise. Like, Hey, got my wedding dress. It just kind of depends on the person what you're comfortable with, but they don't always have to be talked about. And I think when we talk about boundaries, we're like, oh, conversation. yeah. Like it could be really intense, but sometimes you don't even have to say them.
1: So it's almost like you have to assess, does this call for a spoken or an unspoken mm-hmm. boundary? And I guess yep. you can truly only know that by, it's like a person by person basis, situation by situation basis.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And yeah. if you
1: need help figuring that out, you should probably start to look into <laughs> seeing a therapist.
0: Exactly. <laughs> Not kidding. exactly. So I, because this
1: is what, this is what i mean is this what you do you help people Mm
2: -hmm. connect these
1: dots and have these realizations
2: yeah yeah i i just said this um on a podcast the other day but it's like my go-to analogy for therapy is um even if you wanted to ask your boss for a raise and you were too afraid to do so if you came to a therapist at least me i would be like all right so let's dive in what are your fears here Is there a lack of confidence that we're starting from anyway? What would that conversation look like, right? Where are the self-esteem holes that we need to patch up? Does any of this come from like deep-rooted issues where you felt like you were constantly rejected as a child and now you're afraid to stick up for yourself? So even in the most like common everyday situations, there's like a therapist can help with that, right? And you can spend, you know, days weeks months or years trying to figure things out on your own but if you can just go to a therapist who can lay it out almost do lay it all out on the table for you then you don't have to reinvent the wheel and that's one thing that i i will never i hate reinventing the wheel i refuse to do it um and i think therapists are the answer for you not just like trying to figure it out all the time where they can really kind of give you the answer key and then you morph
0: it together (laughs) It's like cheating. It's like cheating yeah. on a test. Yeah. Legitimately. But like, yeah. uh, pause. I'm so anti-cheating, but yeah. it is. It's like, it's the answer is already there. The answer key is already there. Uh-huh. The, yeah. The wheel doesn't have to yeah. be reinvented. Yeah. And
2: people Incredible. will say all the time, like, they'll be like, um, I just feel like I should have to, I can figure it out on my own. And my answer is yes. usually like, okay, but you haven't yet. <laughs> like oh. that's not working. <laughs> yeah. You know? Yeah.
0: Yeah. And you can't if it, it, and if it speeds up the process. I feel like you get so much of your life back.
2: Um, totally tenfold.
0: So with wedding planning mm-hmm. and getting your life back, I think a lot of people in this like wedding planning journey, mm-hmm. they a feel like their struggles aren't valid. Like there's so many. It's like especially like you during like COVID. It's like a whole different ball game, Mm
2: -hmm. but
0: you're like my wedding. And I feel like I heard you say this at one point, it's like, there's a lot of other things, big things happening in the world. My wedding is not like a, a big deal, quote unquote, Mm -hmm. but to you it is. So I feel like a lot of people are feeling like they can't talk about it because it's only their problem Mm -hmm. type. Like my struggle, isn't a big struggle. And then also like they don't know who to talk to a- when they are struggling within this like wedding planning mm-hmm. world, other than talking to a therapist, who can- who should they talk to about their wedding struggles? Should they talk about their wedding mm-hmm. struggles? Should they internalize it?
2: Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I, of course I'm a big fan of you still talking about it because we could, we could say all the time, like, Oh, people have it worse off than me. Right. But you'll right. notice like rarely does that make you feel better. And rarely does it oh, do with true. actually what you're worried about. Right. It, it right. reminds me of like when you wouldn't finish your food when you were younger and the person, I mean, my <laughs> parents, I don't think ever said this, but they would be like, they're starving kids in Africa. Right. Yeah. yeah. And yes, it's yes. kind of like,
0: don't waste right, your well, food. And it's like, well, me wasting my food doesn't help the starving kids in Africa.
2: Exactly. And so the same thing with wedding planning planning, you aren't helping yourself by just staying silent either and while there are people who have it you know quote-unquote worse off than you there are also people who may have it quote-unquote better than you right so wherever you fall your wedding planning issues are still front and center for you or,
1: or yeah. your issues are somebody's like their your issues are someone's worst issues like you yeah. are some like if that makes sense mm-hmm. so totally yeah, that kind of like kind of debunks that whole well other people have it worse than me like you are someone's worst issues not you but your set of issues would Mm -hmm. be someone else's worst issues
2: 100 percent. and it's not something that i think people think about but i do i do almost think that our avoidance sometimes to just kind of be like "Oh, i'm not going to talk about it like it could be worse um i think sometimes that just comes from the discomfort of just being vulnerable about it vulnerable
0: about Mm. it yeah, totally. You don't mm-hmm. want somebody to know that cuz I think that's something that a lot of couples deal with brides in particular given the way we're conditioned, but mm-hmm. if they talk about their like str- it's supposed quote unquote supposed to be like mm-hmm. the happiest time of my life when in reality yep. like wedding planning is really stressful. It's full of a lot of shoulds. It's it is a problem that you're Mm -hmm. currently dealing with, but they feel like if they talk about it, then somebody knows their life isn't perfect or they're not grateful. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And I think too,
2: I, just like Brene Brown says, because a lot of this vulnerability um, work that I do is obviously very inspired by her. Um, I think that when you decide to be vulnerable about what you're struggling with, it, it does have to be with the right person right? Like there has to be some type of safe vulnerability practice. And mm-hmm. um, I think too, a lot of times we recognize like, okay, I know I need to talk to somebody, but who would it be? Yeah. And like, it's very easy to be like, oh, someone you feel safe with, but it's like, what does that mean? Yeah, mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So I usually tell clients, we, we here are the people that we don't want to talk to. We don't want to talk to people who are uncomfortable with vulnerability, right?
0: Yes
1: like they are going to like it's going to be physically noticeable that they're like yeah uh, Yeah. they don't know how to handle it yeah
2: Mm -hmm. like why are you talking to me about this or i don't know what to say um Mm -hmm. you don't you want to avoid fixers right because they're going to throw solutions at you when really all Mm -hmm. you just need is like to be heard and validated um you don't want to um talk to people who are going to make it about themselves right? Which mm-hmm. that's a hard one because I do think a lot of times people just want to make you feel like you can relate to them when in all actuality, yeah. it's like, I don't, I don't want to hear about how this happened for you because our situations are different and it helps me none.
0: Yes. Right? Yes. So there are the people
2: who we kind of want to avoid. So then the question is, so who are the people that we want to seek out? Mm-hmm. So I always tell people that we want to seek out somebody who is able to bend with you, right? I want to, you to find someone who can flow with the conversation, who you feel like you can say whatever you need or whatever you want, and they just go with it. They don't interrupt. They don't necessarily, like I said, try to fix anything and like stop you on one thing. You want to be with someone who will go with the flow.
1: Fuck, that's not me. Don't talk to me about that stuff. <laughs> God. I'm sitting here and I'm just like, yep, That none of that. I'm like, it's, don't talk to me about this stuff because I'm literally mm-hmm. every single one of those. Anyway. Right.
2: Well, and I think too, this does go I don't know that this goes without saying, but I will say this. When I say that you want to find someone who does some of these traits, they don't have to necessarily do all of them.
1: Okay, gotcha. Right.
2: So that's one thing that I do want to say is kind of like a caveat. Um a couple a of bender. the other types of you want a bender. Um, you also want somebody who is going to embrace you for your strengths and your struggles. So someone that you feel is non-judgmental mm. and who can say, you know, give you some of that validation, give you some of that understanding, say, I don't know what it's like to feel this way, but know that I'm here for you and this sounds really, really hard, but also someone who has um, an idea of what kind of strength that you do possess, because then they can be really helpful in reminding you of that, right? Like That's that po- it's because they're
0: not coming up with the solution. They're uh-huh. just reminding you that like, you're capable of getting through this and this is why, like it's like a confidence yes. booster.
2: Yes. Yeah. Without having to give any direct advice or say how things should go or what you should do. Because that's usually the basis of these wedding these wedding expectations anyway is the basis of should. So you don't want someone who's going to reiterate those. You want someone who says, like, you can get through this. And I know how you can because you're resilient in this way or you're wise in this way.
0: Wow. Yeah. I'm like, I want more people like that in my life. I want to yeah.
1: be that like I just yeah, I want to be that person. Uh-huh. And because well, I feel I, like well, I feel like I'm I'm constantly presented with those opportunities and uh-huh. I feel like I just yeah, you are. try to fix it and and all that but I, I'm like, also how can aware I not of that. Be a fixer. Like, yeah. Or right. even just so you said something earlier and I had a question but then I forgot how it was worded. But it was mm-hmm. you said something like you want someone who's gonna like hear you almost like validate your feelings Mm -hmm,
2: mm -hmm. the empathy piece right so the empathy is different from sympathy and so sympathy is like i'm sorry and um i know that i'm sorry can sometimes have its place but that's usually another person i try to have people avoid is people who will just say i'm sorry and make you feel like they pity you like feel bad for you you know what i mean because in those cases you can kind of be like oh man, like I do have it really shitty and everybody just feels bad for me, right? And so the empathy piece is about letting the person know, like, hey, I hear what you're saying and this must be really hard. And I'm gonna admit that I don't know what it's like, but just knowing that like what you're saying to me is probably really hard, know that I'm here for you. Even if you don't understand what it's like to be in their shoes.
1: Yeah, so I guess what I struggle with then is like, so let's say Lara comes to me Uh And she's just like, "Uh, I, I'm really having a hard time because I feel like I don't have any friends or any relationships outside of you and the kids. Uh Like Uh to me, I automatically want to go to like, who haven't you hung out with in a while? Like, let's get the phone book out. Like, let's like how how can someone be like? What does someone say when someone opens up about their struggles? Like, how can you be a good person? Mm. Like be mm-hmm. this person that people go to because maybe uh-huh. there's a bridesmaid who's listening or we have people who are, are already married and they listen, but they're in marriages and they have friends like how, what? So someone opens up, they share XYZ, i Z. I'm experiencing this. I'm vulnerable with you. What's the next response to the person that's sitting there? That's like Uh one to where they're not going to problem solve. They're not going to fix. They're not going to fuel the fire, right? Because my mother-in-law does that all the time with my wife. She's like, I can't talk to my mom about stuff. Because if I'm really, really passionate about this thing, she's just going to have the exact same emotion as me. So Uh like, how can we be these people who help? Yeah.
2: The validation piece is hugely important because validation is not asking questions and validation is not showing like that discomfort. Validation is saying things like that must be really hard for you. That really sucks. I can't imagine feeling that way. And then you also having all these things to hold up because let's say your wife like comes, not that I'm doing like, you know, a marriage family (laughs) therapy session, but just as an example, let's say your wife comes to you and she gives you some of this insight to how you're feeling. You can kind of be like, wow, you know, I hadn't even thought of that because it does sound hard to feel like you haven't been social, but also like, I realized that you hold up this with the kids, or I realized that you do this for the house. And so it's gotta be really difficult to have some type of like, um, like mental balance and play while doing all of this. So I think too, you're going to be getting insight because they're vulnerable with you, so you can kind of make those connections and have them know that you are validating why they feel the way they feel.
1: It's interesting. I'm making. I feel like I'm making all these connections right now. Like as you're saying all this stuff, because to me, what you just said feels incomplete and feels like mm-hmm. it's it's the setup, and then I need to like boom, like here's the here's I'm the applicable piece. A, here's yes, what you do, now. and it feels incomplete, like. Right. I would feel like I was just thinking of what I would say in a situation. It mm-hmm. feels like an incomplete thought and then it feels like there's silence. And then I feel like it feels like it's going to be a little awkward, but yeah. I guess at that point it's like you've done your part. Like you've said, like maybe I'm making it about me in that instance. Cause it's not mm-hmm. about like fixing this thing for them. It's just like now maybe then they're going to share another thought or they're going to go. Yeah, I really needed to get that out like it just feels good to get that out
0: yeah or to feel understood and heard exactly because
2: you'll you'll notice like so let's say she's vulnerable with you or someone's vulnerable with you and you validate and you show like understanding of their feelings and you'll notice that like the conversation is not going to be dead air Right. That person may continue to cry. They may say like, yeah, I'm glad I really got that off my chest. They may say, yeah. And here's another layer to it. You get it. And then when they realize that you get it, they feel like they can be even more vulnerable with you. So the conversation never stops. Right. And you can show validation and show comfort. And so let's say, you know, wife is like, yeah, I That's exactly how I've been feeling. And it just sucks and it's really hard. And then you go in with the comfort piece, which would be embracing for strengths and struggles. And you would be able to kind of be like, I'm here for you. We're going to figure this out. You can also kind of say like, at some point, if you want a solution, let me know. But right now I'm okay with just comforting you. You can talk about that too. Because
0: they'll ask when they want, like if, if they want, because Justin says that to me all the time. He's like, I just want to vent. And if he wants a solution, he would Mm -hmm. ask for a solution. Like if Ashley, Ashley, okay. Yeah. If she comes to me with a problem Mm -hmm. and she wants a solution, she's like, I'm trying to figure out what to do here. Like, what do you think I should do? Like she's literally asking for the Mm -hmm. fix or a suggestion versus when Justin comes to me and he's like, I feel neglected in our marriage and I want to spend more right. time with you or I don't like this. He's not asking mm-hmm. me for a solution. He's literally coming to vent.
2: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And notice in that situation too, you may, and this isn't an Ashley B thing. It's well, I guess you're an Ashley A now. Oh my gosh. I know, I'm still not used to that.
0: <laughs> I'm not either. I still call
2: myself Ashley B all the time. That's so cute. But you'll notice that like, if he were to come to you with that, you'd you would probably immediately tense up and be like, okay, like, what do I need to do? Like, how do I get on the defense? What do we do to fix this? When in reality, like you probably would benefit yourself from listening to how he's feeling about how things are going. Right. Because the more information that you get and take that time to listen and validate, then whenever you guys do look for a solution, you're going to have all the information that you need.
0: This is so
1: freaking good. I like, know.
0: I'm literally like, wow. Greta's gonna like uh, make my marriage so much better. I know. We're
1: just here's the cool thing, man. Is I feel so like we're becoming better people just by all of these conversations that we're having. Like two episodes ago, we had someone on that was talking about like speed dates and prioritizing, you know, time with your partner. And then mm-hmm. the next episode we released, it was about like it's a big episode on communication, communication. And it was so cool to hear Ashley. Yeah. she shared on the podcast how she had like taken two tidbits from those episodes and applied them to her life and shared mm-hmm. an instance to where they so i'm like here, I, literally i have more notes than i've ever taken On any episode, because it's just like, oh my gosh, this is so good. This is so good. But, you know, and you may be hearing this and being like, wow, this is so good. But, you know, this information's only good if it's applicable and if you do something with it, you know, like, Mm -hmm. you know, it's one thing to feel overwhelmed. That's another thing to like know how to handle some of these feelings and then set boundaries and practice self-care and, you know, do Mm -hmm. all these things that we're talking about. And so, which putting them all into practice is self-care. We've learned that.
2: Exactly. Exactly. And being vulnerable can be self-care. And even like if you're in a situation where you're trying to learn how to be um, like comfort other people, even if they're the ones wedding planning, or if you're the one wedding planning, you'll notice that like all of that would still be considered self-care, right? Because a lot of these are unavoidable situations, especially when you're planning a wedding, because it's out of the norm and you've got, you know, anywhere from, four months to six months to a year to two years to plan a wedding and it's it's a consistent throughout the engagement it's a consistent like highs and lows and planning and then things kind of falling out of the air so um I don't know I think it's important and even like on the vulnerability piece if I were to ask you you know like hey Chris like what do you think makes a safe vulnerable person you'd be like I don't know just listen right that's like the typical
0: yeah
2: um answer but when you can actually kind of identify what you need from people and then what you can be for other people it becomes so much easier
1: yeah that's
2: especially
0: when other people well yeah because if you're aware maybe you're looking for somebody that's like a safe vulnerable person but when you're aware of how you can be that safe vulnerable person it's probably easier for you to spot them as well like you can Mm -hmm. spot that person for you and then the other piece is like we're thinking in the mindset of a planning couple but the reality is somebody who's planning a wedding most most people unless like it's second marriages which is also very common Mm -hmm. the most people who are planning a wedding are also in the same time like their friends are all in that same time of like period of life too so Mm -hmm. like that's applicable for them to be better people for other people you know what i mean yeah we're all in this together
2: Exactly. I remember, I think it was maybe like, it was probably like three weeks into uh, my engagement. Cause I like hit wedding planning, like the next day. Um, <laughs> and that is a surprise. my, like, yeah, not at all. We, we like had a budget, you know, and I'm like looking at like prices and stuff. And I just like got so overwhelmed. And I called my best friend who had gotten married like three years earlier. And I was like, this is so expensive. I feel guilty for spending this money. And I remember, and I had FaceTime her and I was like, I had no pants on. I was just like in my bed, just like sad and crying. And I like, didn't know which way was up. And then I remember like, just like looking at her and she was like, I know like it is expensive. And those are totally normal feelings to have. And it was the perfect example of like a safely vulnerable person because that person has been there and you can't fix it and you don't try to offer solutions. She never made it about her, but it was very like, I know, and that's really hard and it really sucks. And you have a right to feel that way, you know? And so even if you have fleeting moments during wedding planning like that, or it's a consistent theme of something you're worried about, I would, um, kind of start thinking about like, who are those safe vulnerable people in my life? Because they're going to kind of be your go-tos. Man.
1: Man i'm just having
0: like wow maybe that is like literally the theme and like one of the very first things people should do because you're going to ultimately come across times during your wedding planning journey that are Mm -hmm. overwhelming and you do need somebody to talk to because it is a real thing that you're dealing with and like identifying Mm -hmm. that person kind of ahead who can i go to when i'm like struggling yeah because i mean it probably it probably should i mean maybe it is your mom and I always go to mom because they're Uh so close a lot of the time in wedding planning but you know maybe maybe it's somebody that's like not even in your wedding party or you know Uh like just Uh someone that you love and wow I feel like Uh that's so much more important than I've ever realized gosh I know
1: Greta, this this time has been so, so, so good. Is there mm-hmm. are there any final words that you have? Any last little tidbits that you wanted to share, little gold nuggets that you wanted to cast uh Ooh. to our listeners?
0: Gold nuggets.
2: Gold nuggets. I mean, I'm full of gold nuggets, but I do <laughs> I think my my last maybe tidbit would be, you know, I know a lot of people will say, like, you know, I hate wedding planning. Like, I wish this time was over. And One thing that I like would love to say to brides who feel like they hate wedding planning is like, it can be fun. And I just want you to recognize like, is it because you don't like planning and it's, is it because like, it's just like not your jam or are there things that are making it not fun? And then go back and listen to this podcast again and take all those notes and see if you can make any changes to boundaries or the process, or if you're catastrophizing, do the exercises because if wedding planning is not fun because of these other like triggers or circumstances that are changeable, try those because it really is, it can really be a very fun time and super exciting and you can get a lot out of it. But if there's anything within your control that you can make changes to, to make it better for you and a more fun experience because I mean, you know, ideally you only get it once, you know, and if you can do that and actually enjoy the process, you're, you're not going to regret it and you'll just kind of thank yourself later for it.
1: That is so good.
0: Wow.
1: That's so good. And here's why it's so good because I feel like most situations can be changed.
0: Like Uh
1: a good majority of them can and if you hate planning, you can't change that, but you can hire a planner. Like, yeah. you know, I, I think back to Caitlin Dittman, who like she just hired, she knew how she was going to be. And so she hired her planner and then it was like, yeah. yeah, it's not, it's not that big of a deal. Then you're just left to deal with the relational things. And all of those things can be some, like maybe not a hundred percent better and maybe not the best, but there are steps that you can take, but it requires you putting
2: in the work. Uh Yeah. Yeah, totally. And whether it takes just like a couple tweaks here and there um, in a situation, maybe like a boundaries conversation, or sometimes there were things when I was planning, I was like, "Mm, I don't care. (laughs) I I literally don't care. I'm taking it off my plate. Y'all figure it out because I have bigger things to worry about. There's so many things you can do. Yeah. Yeah. And the circumstances. Yeah. I think you're right when they usually can be changed. And so I would just have brides really think about, think
0: about that.
1: Ashley, is your mind just blown?
0: Yes, 100%. I'm like, we should have done this six months ago. Because I'm like, I feel like I have learned so much. Like, I'm not kidding you. I'm staring at two two full pages of notes right now.
1: Yeah, Greta, we might ask you back on when we have another topic that just becomes like blatantly clear like okay we need to talk about this let's get credit yeah
2: on. yeah of course i am i am always available i'm here for all of your podcasting needs <laughs> yeah. love
0: it so where can our listeners find you Yeah.
2: So listeners can find me, um, on Instagram at at the Kansas city therapist. And then I do have a website, um, state of mind, as in Kansas city.com. And that's where I've got, you know, a blog. Um, and then I also have like a couple of exciting things coming where I'm kind of taking like the therapy room into the hands of people online. And so all that would be on my website too. So you can sign up for updates and things through my email there.
0: I love that. And Greta on Instagram is constantly sharing little like shareable five tip, like body image was one that you did like this week. And I love, love, love sharing Greta's tidbits of information that she shares on her Instagram. So definitely follow her there too. Oh, thank you. Thank you, man.
1: Listeners, we hope you enjoyed this episode and I'm pretty sure you did. So Uh, Hit us up, man. Get in contact with us. Go follow Greta. Connect with us on Instagram. Join our Bridal Breakdown community on Facebook. Do all the things. Leave all the reviews. Uh, It helps us more than you'll know. And man, we hope that you have a fantastic day. We'll talk to you real soon. Bye.